Hello, everyone, and welcome to Hobothinga Podcast. I am Wilma Noah, and I am the Training and Development Specialist here at the Native Learning Center, and we have Lisa Perez of HBL Resources here joining us today. Lisa, would you like to go ahead and introduce yourself? Sure. Thank you so much, first and foremost, for inviting me out today. I really appreciate the opportunity to speak to your listenership. Uh, My name is Lisa Perez. As you said, HBL Resources is my full-service human resources consulting firm. We're based right here in Miramar, but we have clients throughout the United States. And by full-service, that means anything from recruitment and hiring and administration, training, development, performance, management, and exit, and everything in between. So I love what I do. Wow. Thank you for being here today and coming into the office and doing this. So today's topic is HR compliance for small businesses. And she's going to go over a few things with us and discuss some things that small businesses can do to be in compliance. Correct. Correct. Okay. So could you please explain to our audience what does a typical human resources designate do for a business? Sure. Um, With small businesses, obviously, they have to appoint someone to ensure compliance to all the employment regulations. And that could mean anything from your hiring processes, your recruiting processes, your application process. What does that look like? What does the form look like? What questions are we asking? That individual would also be in charge of compensation and benefit administration when they are, even if it's a a perk program, right? Uh Not just benefits as in health and wellness because those tend to be with larger employers, but things such as yourself and your role, training and development, Mm -hmm. whether those are some basic uh, training programs or extensive development of their employees. So uh, labor, employee relations, organizational development, I could go on and on on all of the (laughs) different uh, areas of human resources, but those are some of the most popular. Okay. So if a business has only one employee, do you see that they would actually need a HR designate? Um, typically, somebody should be in charge of human resources and that function. Oftentimes, we see maybe the payroll person who's handling payroll. Uh, if they're an employer with one to 14 employees, there are several employment law regulations that need to be complied with. So we really want someone who's skilled, equipped, and knowledgeable in those regulations and how they how they relate to the administration of that employee life cycle, right? That hiring process, the personnel file, right? We used to be personnel. So Uh what what goes in there? What shouldn't go in there? How do we administrate and ensure compliance with the record keeping? So I do highly recommend that someone kind of wear that hat within an organization, even if they just have one employee. And oftentimes that's the business owner themselves, Mm -hmm. but they should be certainly knowledgeable. And I think, you know, this today's podcast would be of interest to them. (laughs) to to know a couple of tips and tricks. Yes, and these guidelines are federal. Yes, well, we're based right now in Florida, but we do, we'll talk about federal compliance uh, Uh so that wherever your listenership is, they know that these, they have to comply with these uh, for small business. Okay. And we could certainly speak to Florida specifically if you'd like. Okay. (laughs) Are all businesses required to abide by HR rules and regulations? Yes, even if an employer has one employee, there are at least uh, 10 different regulations that need to be complied with. And I actually brought a list of those because I think they're always so important. But even if you have one employee, you've got a list to go through. And the, the list of laws and regulations just gets added to and bigger and bigger as you grow your business. The next threshold is from 15 to 19 and then 20 to 49 and then over 50 and even over 100 for some regulations to kick in. Okay, so can our audience like 
uh, get an idea of this list? Like, where can they go to download it? Well, my uh, website is www.hblresources.com. There's a little search button, and uh, they can look uh, for the federal records guidelines, I believe is Mm -hmm. what it's called, and I'm happy to provide it to you, and you can put it on your website or wherever your podcast data is. I'm happy to provide that. Awesome. I think everyone would like that. It's a complete resource guide. Yeah. No And what happens if they're not compliant? Well, there could be some serious fines uh, involved, especially in this, I think, current workforce and current labor market. What we're seeing is a lot more audits going on with the federal regulations. You know, not only are the regulations written, but there are people out there right now that are ensuring compliance with it. So, oh, okay. Yeah, we're seeing a lot more government audits. And I see here that the list is long. Pretty extensive. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it pretty, yes. And there's a lot of examples and fines like, Wow. It, it can be exhausting. It, it could be quite um, expensive. It could put someone out of business, Yes, right? and mm-hmm. could you go through the, uh, the sure. list if you don't mind? Sure. Um, briefly, and, and I'll hit on the ones that are more important, and, and not that one or less is more important than the other, but uh, with smaller businesses, and I'm going to talk briefly about those indi- individual organizations that have between 1 and 14 employees, mm-hmm. okay? And so the first thing is HIPAA. We often think that that's something that we sign off at the doctor's office, that you're not going to give away my health information but employers are responsible to ensure the safety security and confidentiality of the employees information as well so you know if Susie Jane breaks her arm or if if Susie Jane has a heart attack and suddenly that's conversation happening at the water cooler that could trigger a HIPAA event and a HIPAA violation because we're having open conversation about someone's medical information Mm -hmm. oftentimes you know somebody might be on a leave of absence because they you know God forbid hit by a bus and something's happened sharing that medical information is is prohibited that disclosure so um, although we think oh I just want you know see and check in how Susie Jane's doing because you want to make sure most time at work you know you're like family yeah so you just share that information and this is interesting I didn't even know this (laughs) yeah yeah that water cooler conversation we've got to be careful with it so as a HR designate if you come into contact with those conversations you want to gently nudge your employees and say hey you know that Susie Jane's personal medical information we really shouldn't be talking about that and if they want to do that you know tonight at happy hour that's fine, but let's not do it here at work. Okay. So um, then we have the uh, FLSA, Fair Labor Standards Act. I think this is the one that most people are aware of. It's the regulation that says, how much do I get paid hourly? What is the minimum wage, right? What's the federal minimum wage? And the Florida state is going up this year, uh, 2020. So that's something you, you want to know, but it regulates the minimum wage. It outlines the fact that individuals are paid overtime for any hours worked over 40 hours in a work week, right? And mm-hmm. so that work week is defined as a, as a seven-day period, right? Uh-huh. So that's FLSA. It also outlines whether an employee is exempt from overtime, meaning I don't get overtime, or if they do, an hourly employee. So we usually use the word salaried versus versus hourly, right? And the regulations are changing in a major way this year. The salary threshold for a quote manager is going up from I want to say don't quote me, it's like 23660 to 35 
368 or something like uh -huh. that. So you've got to raise that wage or make that individual hourly, and that's something that takes effect January 1st. So FLSA is a huge, huge law, and I can go on and on because it also regulates whether an employee is an independent contractor for mm -hmm. all intents and purposes or if they truly are an employee that needs to be W-2, that difference between 1099 and W-2. Lots of employers make that mistake and they say, oh yeah, you'll be an independent contractor, but they really have full control um, and say and responsibility for their scheduling, their pay, mm -hmm. and that might trip a wire that makes them really an employee. And employers could be subject to back wages uh, as a result of a misclassification in any of those that I just discussed. So oh, wow. Okay. Up to three years. Okay, so we have the Immigration Reform and Control Act. Yep, IRCA. <laughs> I, I have a class that's called Alphabet Soup because of all these acronyms <laughs> <laughs> with, with uh, the legal regulations. But IRCA, Immigration Reform and Control Act, that basically is the, the process that regulates the fact that U.S. employers must employ individuals who, one, establish their identity, but also have established their authorization to work in the United States. Those could be individuals that have um, come to the U.S. on asylum and have received authorization to work here. It could be someone on a visa that is a work visa. It could be someone who's in an, an immigrant status. Mm -hmm. uh, so you don't have to be a citizen to work in the United States. You just have to show that you have the authorization to do so. So the I-9 form is one of those documents that an employer must get on day one before before they put someone to work because it does establish who is this person and does the U.S. government give them the authorization to work and be employed here. That's a critical piece. And you spoke briefly about fines. Mm -hmm. In some situations, your fines could result in as little as $224 for, for maybe not having the form or making a mistake on the form to as much as $2,336 for a form that may have maybe not been received, not filled out timely, you know, oh yeah, they worked last week, but we just got the form this week. That could be a fine. That could okay. really be uh, detrimental. Even if you have one to 14 employees, a hit of that size in fines would be, you know, oh, yeah. it, that would hurt. Very so important. immigration and reform, when you're doing that paperwork for an employee to onboard, that's one of those documents that must be completed day oh. one. Okay. Uh, employee Polygraph Protection Act? Yeah, this one is really basically, you know, you can't give a polygraph test pre-employment, and we don't see that much except for places like fire departments, police departments, some pharmaceutical industries as well, but generally private employers, private sectors is prohibited from giving a polygraph. <laughs> Can you imagine going into work and saying, yeah, sure, just go <laughs> to this machine? I don't think many people would like that. So, yeah, that, that was done away with in uh, 1988, thank goodness. <laughs> Okay, so in uh, we have Uniform Services Employment and Reemployment Rights Act. Yeah, you, Sarah. So Uniform Services, right? This is about our military service members and ensuring that uh, employers do not discriminate. And for those readers out there who might have had military service, mm -hmm. then let's shout those people out and thank them for their service. Yes, yes. Um, so your Sarah protects them from discrimination, right? Ensuring that an employer... It gives them, you know, the same opportunity for employment, benefits, promotions, transfers, any of those same uh, service rights that, that a, a non-service worker would have. So, and, and why, right? Why do we need that law? Well, if you think someone's going to be called back to active duty, oh, you might not hire yeah. them, right? right? Right, That would be a discriminatory right. reason to exclude them from mm -hmm. hire. And so you, Sarah, protects them from that. That's great. Mm -hmm. Um 
and the Equal Pay Act. We've all heard about this recently, right? Making sure that we have equal pay for equal work. So that's a, a huge thing that we're seeing a lot of litigation about. Just making sure that if you do have a role um, and you're hiring for it, if you've got a, a male and a female in the same position, same role, same education, same background, they should be paid the same. I agree. Yeah, and we now, could go on and on. Yes, about there's and there's like a multitude of other topics as and uh, laws that yes. you have on your website. Yes. So if anyone anyone from our audience would like to download those, they can go to mm -hmm. the website. And um, also, what are some of the HR regulations that are most often violated? Well, we talked about that one being uh, I-9, right? That IRCA, uh -huh. that document. We see a lot of uh, violations happening there. We also see a lot of violations of the Title VII. Uh, it's the Civil Rights Act of 1964. That's that discrimination regulation that prohibits employment discrimination on the basis of race, color, religion, gender, national origin. So we see a lot of missteps in not just hiring, but performance management, uh, terminations, because of those reasons that would be considered prohibited under the Civil Rights Act or Title VII. Uh, we also see a lot of violations, again, with interviewing questions. Right? A lot of time oh, we wow. want to build rapport and we want to say, hey, oh my gosh, I love your accent. Where is it from? Guess uh -huh. what? That is an illegal question because we might get national origin as a result of that oh. question. So while uh, employers are interviewing, we see a lot of hiccups, I will say, yes. with questions that really shouldn't be asked mm -hmm. uh, during the pre-employment process. That makes sense. Yeah. Perfect sense. Um, now, I heard recently that someone got fined because they didn't have an employee handbook and why would they get fined? So they wouldn't necessarily be fined because employment handbooks are not required. They're just highly recommended mm -hmm. because there's a lot of notices that need to be provided to your employees, right? You've got a COBRA notice if you have insurance. You've got employment at will. You've got the employee classification. There's just so many notices. What would you rather do? Hand somebody 50 million pieces of paper or right. put it in a 30-page handbook, right? Mm -hmm. So the handbook is really highly recommended recommended. A fine may not be definitely something that uh, an employer would have, but it would definitely make it easier to, one, disclose all of the information, make sure that that employee doesn't have to ask you 20 million times, oh, how much vacation <laughs> do I get? Uh -huh. uh, right? It, it's that resource guide that mm -hmm. kind of frees up the business owner a little bit. It ensures that it, it outlines all the laws that need to be complied with and that the employer is indicating that we are going to comply with, right? It says, hey, we are an equal employment uh -huh. opportunity. We do carry workers' compensation insurance if they need to at that, at, depending on their level. Um, so it really is just that comprehensive manual that, that helps do that. For, in, I guess, employee information. Um, and does every business have to have this? I recommend it. So it's not, there's no law that I can point to that says, and this says you need to have uh -huh. an employee handbook, but it definitely ensures that those notices, those things that employees are supposed to be told, are told in mm -hmm. that manual. So it does definitely help comply with the regulations without having a separate regulation that says you need an employee handbook. But it is highly recommended even if you have just one employee. Okay. That's great information. Um, now, what can you tell me about hiring veterans and disabled individuals? Oh, gosh, I am so passionate about that question. Thank you for asking it. I'd love your listenership to go to www.veteransforum.org 
www.sustainableflorida.org. This organization is focused on ensuring that we have a competitive workforce, but that we're also hiring our valued veterans, whether mm -hmm. that's uh, Vietnam veterans, because they're that boomer uh, X or generation, or the current that are just repatriating right now. And it's also good business because businesses are able to obtain tax credits as a result of hiring veterans. So you can find more about that at careersourcebroward.com mm -hmm. and how to go about getting those those tax credits available. And there's grants as well through Career Source Broward. That's obviously here right in Florida, in Florida. Uh, to ensure that we can, we can hire those valued individuals and still get some benefits as well as an employer to seek those out. So it's just smart business to uh, reach out and hire our veterans. Okay, is there a federal website that someone could go to and? Um, so there is, I don't have it off the top of my head, but veteransflorida.org can get them a starting point okay. and it does link to the national uh, at that location. Okay, mm -hmm. and how can you help our businesses with their HR needs? Well, you know, as a full-service firm, we help employers that even have no employees and they're looking to hire that first one in terms of that training and what not to ask and, uh -huh. and giving them resource guides and information. I can consult for an hour. I can consult for 2,000 hours. So it really just depends where are those businesses in their own business cycle, right? Are they a startup? Are they in growth? Are they needing training and development, much like what you offer? Uh, so we can address whatever needs they have. Just depends on what it is that they need to get themselves to that next level. Okay. And again, Lisa, just tell us how they can reach you. Sure. Um, I can be reached at my website at www.hblresources.com. And I can also be reached via email at Lisa. L-I-S-A at hblresources.com. Those are probably the two best ways to get a hold of me. Okay, that's great information. And can you tell us, uh, how did you get into this career? Oh, gosh. Um, I actually was a legal secretary out of high school and uh, much to great education, great training background in, in legal, but just not my forte, right? A lot of uh, paper intensive and not the people side that, mm -hmm. that I was hoping for. I, I was hired as a front desk clerk in the hospitality industry in Orlando 20 years ago. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and um, <laughs> fell into uh, hospitality that and loved it. Ago, yeah, yeah, that, that was two years ago, folks. Yeah, that was two years ago. Fell into hospitality as, as that front desk clerk. That wasn't the right fit either. An HR opening came about, and it was the perfect mix of people and paperwork that really resonated with me, the people to challenge, the people side of me. I love to work with people and help them grow and mm -hmm. do whatever it is they want to do in life. And then the paperwork, which always changes in human resources. So that is never stagnant. So there's so. always like a new law or something? Constantly changing. Oh, yes, okay. constantly changing. Um, posters that need to be disclosed. Uh -huh. You know, you have to put them up in your employer uh, locations are always changing. Always the, cafeteria, the cafeteria, those beautiful <laughs> posters, yeah. Um, so it, it's constantly changing. And that's what I love about it. Always something new to learn, always something new to implement, change for the organization and things but like that. But for the nature. better. I mean, always it's for the always better. for protection always, of the employees. Absolutely. Well, you know, there's a lot out there that uh, I think protects the employer as well. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a uh -huh. nice uh, balance, balance of the scales. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Okay. Uh, well, that. I would like to thank you for joining us today. My and pleasure. Maybe you could come back and do another I one. I would absolutely could, love to. We can to. discuss that. Yeah, because there uh, were so many laws we didn't even get to, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> There's, so much. There's a laundry list of yeah, things. Yeah, for sure. For sure.
And could you just give me um, your phone number where you can sure, be reached? Sure, absolutely. That's 954-249-1202. And I'm happy to field any questions or calls from your listenership. And you've already given us your email. Mm-hmm. So I really appreciate you joining us My today. My pleasure. Uh, thank you for uh, being here. My and pleasure. Have a great day. Yeah, hope to, hope to be back. <laughs> okay. Thanks for the invite. All right. Bye-bye.